Do you want some dancing to go with the yes. music? Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> welcome okay. back to the podcast. Here we go. Well, welcome back. We're here. Uh, we're here at the podcast. With Sanjay Chandru. No, no, you got to say the name of the podcast. All right, welcome oh, back. Oh, like, like, I'm, yeah, I'm just well, so full of myself. Yeah, I, I, yeah welcome, back to, welcome back to the podcast. DevOps Talks with Chris and Chris. Oh, that's a good. Nice. Yeah, that okay. was great. That was great. Yeah, we appreciate that. All right, we can wrap it up. Is I it think, DevOps right? Talks? No, DevOps with Chris and Chris. There yeah, it is. That's that's, that's the, the one, one we're going to use. That's the All one. Right. So we're here with uh, we're Sandre Chandru. Hey, you just mispronounced my name there. How do you say it? Sanjay Chandru. Sanjay Chandru. <laughs> roll, you're, you're, it's okay. You can roll the R's. I'm okay with that. Uh, the director of Z DevOps. Is that pretty accurate? Uh, it's reasonably accurate. Okay, yeah. let me keep. Let me keep yeah. going here. We got the DevOps guy. The, the DevOps. guy who's been doing DevOps for a long time. Ooh. I've been doing this uh, alone for many years. What? Now I'm not. I don't feel so alone anymore. That's good. <laughs> cue, so, cue the music. Yeah. Cue the doo-wop music right here. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, <clears throat> Sanjay. I have a little bit of background here for you. So Sanjay is known for once taking a 35-hour summer road road trip from Fayetteville, Arkansas to Philadelphia in his beloved 1983 Honda Civic. How did you know that? That's a good car. Good that, choice. That was not so, yeah. so, so you you didn't yeah. you, you don't know about what happened once I reached Philadelphia, you see. Yeah, no. But once I reached Philadelphia. Oh, you, you ran to the median. Uh, had, I, yes. Yeah. How do you yeah. know that? I, I, how Talk. do you know that? We do our research here on DevOps <laughs> Talks with Chris okay. and Chris. Oh, I know, I know where that, no, that was no, one don't. of those articles that I posted on LinkedIn. No, now I know. No, no, you don't. It was on your MySpace profile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> originally hailing from Chennai, India, Sanjay has been with IBM for 18 years now? 20 years. 20 years, okay. A little longer than that, actually. Uh, he, drives the, he drives the DevOps business for Z Software Leading Development, Offering Management, and customer support are part of his responsibilities. And your LinkedIn profile states, this is your this is your byline, this is your tagline, making enterprise DevOps and cloud-native development a breeze. Is that pretty that's, accurate still? That's really accurate. Okay, all right. <clears throat> One more. So Sanjay was once asked, what motivates you? And his response was, that's a profound question. The uncertainty of life. I have a question for you. Is that still true today? That's profoundly true. Okay, so what motivates you here at IBM now? All this exciting stuff we're working on. I mean, Z DevOps is coming to its own, right? Uh, we are doing some really cutting edge work. I work with great people. We're creating stuff, and that's what motivates me. Nice, nice. What's some of the what's some of the stuff that you're creating? What's the, some of the stuff that comes to mind? Immediately comes to mind. Well, I mean. What's changed over the last several years is that DevOps is no longer a trendy thing that people talk about. It, it's real. And because it's real, there's a, there's a lot more focus on meaningful, tangible outcomes from adopting it, which means that we have to focus on delivering value and and everything that we're creating drives value for the customer. The, the other thing that has evolved is the customer's willingness to embrace this new way of doing things. And, and that is extremely important because ultimately it's about the culture and the people with the processes and tools as means to an end to ensuring that we make that culture change. And you know everybody talks about this ad nauseum, 
uh, we're actually making it happen. And, and that's exciting. I mean, not even that long ago, what, five years ago, six years ago, it was the trendy thing. Like everybody, oh, wanted to talk about DevOps, but it was just really, you know, kind of like champagne bubbly idea that we, I'm waving my hands above like my the, head. The so blockchain, of, yeah. blockchain of mainframe. Right, like very cool, like a very cool <laughs> thing to talk about. But now all of a sudden, like you is. said, it's becoming a reality. It's becoming concrete. People are actually doing, they're buying in, not buying DevOps, something we can, we can touch on later. Um, but but they're buying to the processes, right? That's right. And, and, and what's even more exciting is that when it comes to the Z platform, uh, I haven't seen anything like this in the last, in the 20 years that I've been at IBM. Uh, there, it's, it's a real renaissance uh, in terms of the willingness of our customers to accept new things, but also the desire uh, to actually go out and you know leverage all this disruption, so it's it's extremely exciting to me, and and this is a great time to be developing for the Z, right? Um, one of the key focus areas for us is enterprise-wide standardization. So we don't want the Z to be remarkable and special. We want the Z to be unremarkable when it comes to how you do your development for the platform how you deliver code, um, the overall application delivery lifecycle itself should be something that folks are familiar with, regardless of what platform they're developing for. And that's what we're striving towards. And we've made a great deal of progress over the last several years. Um, and we're coming into our own when it comes to making that true. Nice, nice. So let me ask you a question here. You said, you mentioned 20 years ago, developing on the Z platform. So can you just do a, a real high level, quick comparative analysis of what that looked like 20 years ago to what that looked like today? I mean, like what, what are the maybe three to four or five big differences that really stand out to you to, to what's driving that disrupt, disruption or what's the difference, I guess? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I joined IBM, uh, it was really interesting I was thrown into the thick of things, and I was um, working on a pro product named Visual Aid Generator. And so we were doing COBOL generation with from a 4GL language, and that evolved to something called Enterprise Generation Language. Um, and again, you know, we were generating COBOL and Java and so on and so forth. And uh, when I started, uh, they said, "Hey, here you go. You know, here's a." Here's a laptop, or here's your computer. Uh, let's uh, you know get going. Oh, so very much the same as it is today. Uh, very much, is, <laughs> but here's the difference. I didn't have a debugger. I didn't have anything to start off, and I was reading hex dumps and oh. um, I was doing CDF and kicks to step through and figure out what was going wrong and so on and so Coding forth. In a telegraph it was machine. A, yeah, it was a it was a character building experience, and and uh, I was the better for it. I I learned to love ISPF, right? Which is great. I mean, that's that's how it was done. What you have today is a vastly different landscape where you can leverage um, IDEs that span multiple platforms. You can develop for different languages, but with the same tools. So the game is completely different now in terms of what you have available to do your day-to-day -day development, your day-to-day -day work. Uh, right from your editors to your debugging capabilities to 
your so uh, your software configuration management and so on and so forth um the the story is vastly different now than it used to be 20 years ago right so you have a lot more choice uh life is much easier in terms of uh how you do your development itself so it's 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 completely different from when i started in a very positive way that doesn't mean that we didn't do our work really efficiently if you look at ispf we were we were flying through those screens and doing our development with sure. the tso editor and so, and so on and so forth but at some point you're limited by the fact that it's isolated uh you had to learn something different and new mm-hmm. while now where we are is that hey i want to give you the ability to use whatever editor that you're familiar with whatever ide you're familiar with so where so today you have bring your own ide uh we about a month and a half ago we put out something called the z open editor in the visual studio code marketplace mm-hmm. and we've already had 1400 downloads um where it's lsp certified it plugs right into vs code but the kicker is you can take that same extension for cobol pl1 and jcl drop it into eclipse che and it works so it's um and you can use all of this with cli and um it integrates into git and you can leverage git for um doing your mainframe development as the software configuration management and it's true parallel development mm-hmm. right so what we used to have our old legacy man- uh, managers for developing for the mainframe we now have the ability to leverage git out of the box natively to do your parallel development this completely changes the game and it, i'll tie it back into this whole discussion around enterprise wide standardization now you can truly standardize across the enterprise across platforms across uh, multi cloud uh, instances that you might be using within your organization because you are now standardizing on open source tools that are popular not just on these tools right you can now tap into a whole bunch of skills that are abundantly available folks that are graduating from colleges know what git is they know github they know they know what how to use git they've been doing it it's natural uh, they know how to use vs code they know how to use eclipse che they know how to use eclipse so we have probably the most diverse set of tools that allow customers to seamlessly develop for any platform and that includes z mm. and what do you think what do you think is driving or necessitating the adoption of these open source tools and these these new ways of developing on the mainframe well look uh, there, there is a survey out there that uh, basically says look 92% of developers want to use open source tools mm. uh, it it's unambiguous right so open source is the future and what's what's great about this is that because there is uh, so much acceptance of open source we're seeing um traditionally conservative customers looking at it as well but the key difference here is that open source needs to be supported you can't just throw something over the wall and hope it sticks mm-hmm. So our approach is we want to give you robust support as you embrace these tools. An example would be Git. Okay. Where we provide complete support for leveraging Git 
as the primary and only parallel development software configuration management system. And so we completely support it so customers can go into this and be confident that we are going to support them as they embark on this DevOps transformation, as they migrate out of these obsolete library managers that are out there. Mm. Now, a lot of these library managers are trying to integrate with Git, mm -hmm. but ultimately it, this, this narrative falls apart because you are still isolated at the end of this entire chain because you're using that library manager. These are your... Um... These are your zombie agile SEMs. That's exactly right. right. Okay. So don't fall for the zombie agile SEM narrative. Which is which is which is marketing itself as one thing, but under the covers, it's the same old That's exactly thing right. that has always been done. That is exactly yeah. right. And and so customers are really smart, right? They mm -hmm. they they can see through this. And that's why we're seeing so much traction for our approach of opening up the platform so that they can leverage tools that they're familiar with, that, that the folks who are graduating from colleges are familiar with, that they can now leverage in a first-class manner across whether Z, cloud, any cloud instance, uh, whether it's AWS, Google Cloud, IBM Cloud, or um, on-prem, on right? Distributed platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another, another thing, some of the traction that's been gained, some of the the popularity of DevOps, some of the acceptance, the new, um, you know, the the uptake of okay, we we really need to put all this stuff in place, has to do with future proofing. What's your take on that? That is actually exactly the point, right? Um, when customers want to transform, uh, they are making a very profound decision to move on from where they are to where they want to be not for the next year or two, but for the next 10 years or 20 years. Uh, these are enterprise customers who have mission-critical code running on Z. So any transformation or change has to be done very thoughtfully. The only way to be thoughtful is to be strategic, mm -hmm. which is really driving this need to make the right choices when it comes to things like SEMs. And if you make the wrong choice, you are going to have to revisit that five years down the line. And that is why you want to go with an SEM that is open, that you can leverage across any platform or across any cloud instance, and that will allow you to tap into the abundant skills that are graduating from colleges and universities, you know, so these folks who are coming out, you want to be able to tap into that. And the only way to do it is to free yourself from vendor lock-in, free yourself from these obsolete library managers, and go with what everybody understands and uses across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when it comes to, you know, DevOps as the, as the, the theory and the, the products and the library managers and everything that was back then, when I say back then, I mean like, you know, 30, 20, 30 years ago, right? We, shops, a lot of, a lot of the customers, I say, well, our customers had a developer base, a developer base that was, you know, we'll say like right at the crest of their, their career. So all of these new things were just new cool things that weren't really 
like you said, mission critical. They're not really things that needed to be implemented. Now that we have all that, you know, the the junior developers, the fresh blood coming in, the next generation of custodians of the legacy, legacy but the, the code that really runs everything, if we're honest, um, they're coming in and they use these tools. Like you said, they, you know, they're taught these tools. They know what they're supposed to, they know, they know how they like to code and how they get things done and they get it done. So you think that has something to do with a lot of how things are getting traction too, right? Yeah, but most importantly, it's a very natural cultural fit with the with the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. So that is really the key piece of the puzzle. Uh, if it's a cultural fit, then then you have to allow enterprises to transition into that culture, and that's what we're trying to do here. And uh, to be quite honest, we're seeing a huge amount of traction and success um, as we as we make this journey with our customers, as we partner with our customers. Uh, so that's what's really exciting about what's going on. It's it's not so much that, oh, we're you know, creating this new tool and we're putting it out there and so on and so forth. It's it's really the fact that there is excitement around what we're trying to do. We're trying to help our customers transition into this new world, embrace the disruption rather than be afraid of it. And and that's what is really exciting about what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, this, to me, is a, there is a generational shift going on with how we're doing things, and we're right in the middle of it, and that's exciting. Mm. Really I had is. I had so I had two things, and you mentioned this; it was worth mentioning. So I I just want to clarify: you mentioned the LSP when you were talking about the Z Open Z Open editor. Can you just, for just for my own edification, what's the significance with that? So LSP is a protocol that allows you to standardize how you um, how you provide editing capabilities across multiple languages. Mm. So if you go to the LSP website that's out there, um, it's called Language Server Protocol, mm. and uh, you know it it provides you with a set of um, standard ways of for want of a better way to describe it, standard ways of uh, allowing customers to develop their uh, code u- for any language mm-hmm. using, and the way it's implemented is in LSP, so it allows you to plug and play with any LSP compliant IDE, hmm. right? So that's basically what we've so done like a, here. Almost like a translator, I guess. Not a translate, um, but an intermediary between what you're doing and what can be it's, done it's in the a, ID. It's a set of standard <laughs> protocol implementation uh, uh, implementation protocols that we follow so mm. that any IDE that supports this protocol can then leverage this editor. So, for example, because it's LSP-enabled, um, uh, you, know, you can then plug it into Atom or you can plug it into um, any... Uh, IDE mm. that might support this. Okay. So what this allows customers to do is it it doesn't it doesn't force them to be tied into any particular ecosystem or the flavor of the month when it comes okay. to the um, the um, IDE that they're using and so on and so forth. Okay. We're giving them fl- true flexibility. Yeah. Oh, um, that's a great segue. You were talking about flexibility. So it, uh, it's, it's a lot of things you're saying. It, it, you're, you're saying uh, what I'm hearing is like opening the mainframe, accessibility. You even wrote about it in one of these articles. You were talking about the autonomy for developers and allowing them to do to do, to do the things that they want to do uh, at, at a more agile pace. And 
actually in that article, you were referencing containers on Z, which there's been quite a stir and quite a buzz. And I know that within our, within our organization, that's a, that's a big deal as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Actually, and, and before he talks about it, I just want to make sure everybody knows, Sanjay blogs a lot, a lot. There's a lot of material that he's written out there, and it's yeah. really good. So if you, haven't, if you haven't read some of Sanjay's stuff, maybe now's the time. Go ahead out there, do a little Google search there, you know, yeah. or LinkedIn, you know, find him on LinkedIn. He's on LinkedIn. I see him there. Great images yeah. too. If you just search on the Google images. Oh yeah, stuff. for yeah. sure. For sure. You mean, you mean how I've evolved over the last 20 years? You have a, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I have to say your, your picture in, we have blue pages, which is like our internal profiles for employees. Mm -hmm. Your, um, your photo on there is just, it's great. It's a really good photo. I feel the same way because you haven't I've, changed it. I've, I've unfortunately, I don't look the same. Did you? Way no, he doesn't look a day over twenty-five. <laughs> it looks a great Promise photo. You. Like you, if anybody's listening to this and you're and you have access to it internally, you should just go look at it right now. It's just it's a great yeah. photo. No, but he yeah. is he is another one of these these DevOps yeah. rock stars yeah. that we have. Yeah, in flattery here, so. will get you everywhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, just yes, guilty as charged. I have a lot of history that's out there with uh, you know. Yeah, you can go look. Me up on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and uh, always happy to chat, have a repartee with people who want to engage. There you go. There you go. So read some of his stuff. I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. My bad. No, I just thought that this was fascinating. This, this, uh, this article that, that you had here, um, you know, one of the things that what's you, the title of it, it's uh, containers return work life balance back to developers. And it, you say a recent online survey revealed that co uh, containers have revolutionized developers output and the way they work 66%. Uh, are achieving greater levels of innovation, and then it, it goes on. It's a it's a pretty fascinating article, but it goes on to talk about how, you know, it, it allows developers to be more autonomous when they utilize containers for their um, in, in developing. And I don't know. I just I thought it was was fascinating. I don't know how that ties yeah. into what we're doing. So so this is the other exciting aspect to what's going on, right? Uh, we're now able to tap into some very key technology drivers that folks across the board are embracing, and containers is one of them. Um, the basic idea behind containerization is the subtractive nature of it. As in, hey, if I can take away tasks from my day-to-day -day development, then I make my life easier. And so if I can do things that I typically do that are manual and that are repetitive and I can remove them and I can replace them with automation, uh, then it makes my life easier. And if I can do that in a manner that is consistent, then not only do I save time and I can invest it in other things, I also reduce the chance of failure, I reduce the chance of mistakes and so with containers, the ability to spin up and spin down and take down and destroy these environments uh, on demand uh, allows you to be far more nimble. But the way you define what's in the container and uh, the way you create it and destroy it allows you to get a degree of repeatability that really helps in improving the quality of your software because you have these environments on demand. You can replicate these in any cloud instance if you choose to. Uh, and you can do your testing. You can get rid of it. And from a production perspective, 
um, if something goes wrong, you can get rid of these environments and bring them back up once you fix it mm -hmm. without having to jump through hoops, which mm -hmm. is huge, right? It really makes a big difference when it comes to turning things around if something catastrophic happens. So there's lots of benefits to containers, and we're embracing it from a Z perspective in that uh, if you look at ZDNT, which is Z Development and Test Environment, uh, the underlying hardware emulator is now Docker-enabled, which means that you can spin up full ZOS environments in, in a Dockerized, containerized uh, world, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, again, huge. That's because, incredible. Yeah. Because what you can do with this is now you can... You're doing all your development, leveraging VS Code, you're leveraging CHE, you're leveraging IDZ, which is still, um, should I say Mercedes or Tesla? I don't know. Preeminent. The yeah. preeminent, right? Yeah, Bugatti or Bentley, uh, maybe? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, whichever, you know, whatever brand you like. It depends on, uh, on who of the listeners you want to marginalize yes, the most. I, I, I say all the, yeah. all the greatest cars out there. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, I would do that with a Honda. It's Honda, the Honda. Jet, okay. So yeah, there you go. A, yeah. jet, a, a Concorde. No, yeah, co not Concorde. I love Concorde. <laughs> I love Concorde, too. I just wish they were still around. Yeah, I do, actually. I never got to fly one of those. That would have been so cool. What was it? Transatlantic? Three and a half? Three, three and a half hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Scramjet. It's the scramjet of... Uh, yeah, there you go. Yes, you yes, go. yes, yes. Um, so so um, what you can do is you can now spin up these, these EOS environments um, after you do your development uh, in, in, the, in the IDE of your choice. You can spin it up in a uniform way. You can test all your code. Uh, you can shift left with this awesome testing capability, which I'm really excited to talk about always. Um, <laughs> and you know, you you can you can shift left. You can do all of this stuff uh, in a containerized environment where you're bringing up ZOS with ZDNT, which now works with Docker, right? So it's game changing in many ways, and it's allowing you to truly realize the full potential of this platform because now you can very speedily do small batch testing, you can turn things around quickly and so on and so forth, but in a very natural way, which anybody who's developing for the cloud is familiar with, anybody who's developing on distributed platforms are familiar with. So it's really game changing in that manner as well. And otherwise, historically, <clears throat> your, your, traditionally your alternative is You'd have to, you'd have to have an LPAR with a production environment in it, and that would incur significant. That's that's there's cost associated with that if you're if you're doing it like that, right? I mean, yeah, now but, what we're doing is we're enabling people to to well, I mean, spin up these. Yeah, you you might have <clears throat> dev and test environments that are separate that's yeah. on the box. Now, what we're allowing you to do is actually uh, allowing you to turn things around quickly and mm. truly shift left as a developer. Uh, we're, we're getting you to move away from waterfall in a meaningful way mm -hmm. rather than just saying you're moving away from waterfall processes and so on and so forth. You're truly shifting left. Um, and we're really removing bottlenecks in terms of availability of environments for dev and test. Okay. Now, we are really focused on 
unit and function verification testing and so on and so forth mm-hmm. but if you want to do performance testing you still have to do it on the box because you have to meet those SLAs you you want to do integration and performance testing on the box typically um specifically performance testing you always have to do it on the box but you can do function verification testing you can do regression testing you can do uh unit testing on ZDNT but now that it supports docker you can actually do it in a containerized environment mm. you can spin it up and spin it down in any cloud instance which is phenomenal yeah. right uh because it's running on x86 linux now that it's dockerized you can go and spin it up on uh, aws or microsoft azure or uh google cloud or ibm cloud as if zd is if zdnt yeah. could get any better. That's right? pretty cool. I mean, that's something that I try to talk to a lot of my clients about. And I actually wanted to ask you, um, when we, so you do a lot of the, 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 he is a rock star. He does go to like all these cool places. He like tours. literal rock star. He, he yeah. literally tours. He goes on tour, which is like, it's a dream. That's unbelievable. You, know, you can't see it, but he's wearing full on kiss makeup right he, now. He, yeah. He's got like six or seven backstage passes hanging from I, him right I, now. I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> The the kiss comparison. <laughs> um, but ZDNT, um, you know, I've had a couple of customers that, um, well, I should say this. The customers that I've talked to about ZDNT, the number who know about it or the number who don't know about ZDNT is going down a lot over the past two years. Has there been a big push now that we've got the, you know, the Dockerized ZDNT situation figured out? Or It's not just because it's Dockerized. People can really see the value in being able to spin up uh, ZOS on x86 Linux. And uh, Docker, Dockerization is just a natural next step, in my opinion. What's happening is that customers are now becoming aware that as they embrace DevOps and as they become more agile, uh, they need to be able to test more often. And that also you know, requires the removal of bottlenecks, the availability of these test environments, and ZDNT is a very ideal way to address that. So it's it's not been something that just happened overnight because we dockerized it. It's actually a growing realization that this is exactly the kind of thing that we need as we become more agile, as we transform with DevOps, as new folks come on board and they don't have the patience to sit there and wait for an environment to be freed up. Uh, so it gives them that freedom. So it makes sense. That's awesome. And then, and then again, just the reduced risk, because it's not just about safety or, you know, having a safe environment or a, or a sandbox or like, you know, I've had younger developers even say like, oh, a play box, like whatever, that's fine. But it's about minimizing risk, right? Yeah, it's about minimizing risk in terms of software quality. It's, 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 a, it's minimizing risk in terms of uh, being able to respond more quickly to customer needs. Um, one, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, let's just take testing, right? The traditional approach to unit testing and so on, that's been a, it's, it's been very manual in the past. What's happening is that now we're seeing more focus on unit testing and automation and so on, but most of the, most of the capabilities out there aren't game-changing in that uh, there is still a very waterfallish approach to testing. It's very heavyweight. It's tied into existing infrastructure. Uh, these guys who go and sell these unit testing tools require uh, customers to actually have their debugger or 
you know, their infrastructure, and it's very heavyweight. So setting it up, getting it up and running, and then the limitations of having to having to be tied into the infrastructure that they require has actually dampened the ability to get these things out. So when we looked at unit testing, we said, hey, you know what? Let's step back. We were actually the pioneers with unit testing. We came out with it, with ZUnit in 2011, 2012, something like that. And um, at that time, of course, there wasn't enough uh, momentum, but more importantly, uh, it was pretty limited in terms of what we could do. And uh, again, you know, it was it, the requirements and the lack of flexibility held us back. But what's happened over the last year and a half is we said, hey, you know what? We want to invest in this space. Uh, we're going to step back, and rather than telling customers what we think they need, we're going to ask customers what they need. And so we built this testing capability from the ground up. Wow. Right? Um, it sounds crazy, but we actually listened to the customer. <laughs> we, I, <laughs> we, we came up with a solution that the customers want. It has been completely driven from the ground up by the customers and not by us. I would think, Thinking right? we knew better. That's cool. <laughs> and so um, what's happened is we now have a completely virtualized and stub testing capability that allows you to test in the build phase of this DevOps lifecycle rather than a formal QA testing phase, right? And what that also allows you to do is it allows you to plug into these environments like ZDNT to spin up as you shift left, mm -hmm. do your testing, then get rid of this environment and move on. And uh, when you're driving it as part of a CI CD pipeline that is enterprise wide, you can do this across uh, code that you're deploying um, you know, on AWS, along with code that you're deploying on, uh, Z on, Z on ZOS. Um, and the workflow can drive this orchestrated, whether you're using Jenkins or you're using UCD to do your deployments. And you can do this staging it with generic artifact repositories like Artifactory and Nexus mm. and so on and so forth. So it completely frees up the customer to do exactly what they want, and it liberates them from vendor lock-in into specific infrastructure and tools, right? Now, what's really awesome about this is that when you step back, you now have Git, Jenkins, Artifactory, Nexus. Uh, you're doing this as a part of a generic CI-CD pipeline. You're truly shifting left like you should be. Um, so it, it's a sea change from how we used to do development and deployment on, on this platform. It's a sea change because now you can do everything that uh, folks are typically expecting to do if you're doing development in general. So you're truly standardizing across the enterprise. So if me, you know, if I'm if I'm just coming out of college and I'm a you know, I, I don't non-mainframe developer. I don't know how else to to call it. You know, like I should be able to hit the ground running. Is that that's kind of what we're trying to get to, right? Absolutely. So I'll I'll give you a very clear example uh, with uh, dependency-based build, which is the un fundamental underpinning for. Leveraging Git natively, right? I'm so glad you mentioned that because so, <laughs> we've heard it like three or four times. Mm -hmm. Like Git and DBB, yeah, that, that relationship. Right. So, so DBB, what it what it allows you to do is it allows you to leverage things like Groovy scripting um, to to 
drive your uh, build um, and you you are doing all your development on the platform, uh, but you're checking in and checking it out uh, using Git, um, but you're doing your development on Z. And, um, uh, you know, now you can have, with groovy skills, you can actually drive this build and deploy process as part of a CI CD pipeline, right? Now, we have something called Z Open Automation Utilities, which provides shared libraries that allow access to native ZOS resources, leveraging not just Groovy with DBB. Um, now, Z Open Auto Automation Utility is available with DBB, right? Right. But now you can leverage things like Python, okay? Mm -hmm. Just think about what that means. It means that if you can leverage Python mm -hmm. natively on the box, you can now leverage Ansible, mm. okay? so. Things are getting really interesting right now, and you can expect to see some crazily awesome stuff yeah. coming out uh, around, you know, infra as code, around uh, provisioning, and so on and so forth. Which we're already making some headway with, with things like um, ADDI being tied into application discovery and delivery mm -hmm. intelligence being tied into all of this, so that you can provision very precisely in a meaningful way, right? So there's a whole lot of exciting stuff going yeah. on. So if folks who are coming in new uh, from uh, into this workforce, you know what? The, the real action is actually here mm -hmm. because we're doing so many exciting things. Yeah, it's the best kept secret. Yeah. Now, now yeah. no longer. <laughs> it's a really exciting time to be moving into this space. Uh, absolutely. For sure. absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned Ansible. Where, where have I heard that before? Yeah, Ansible, what is that? Where is it from? Where is, it? Where is that from? Is it, whose product Jeez, is that? Jeez, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that little company uh, called Red Hat. That, that oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Who are those guys? Yeah. Yeah. But this is this was mentioned a lot. Um, ZOS Explorer. What's up with ZOS Explorer? Yeah, so ZOS Explorer is really uh, it. It it's it's a very integrative platform. It's free. It's out there. Uh, it's a very integrative platform in that it's Eclipse based. But then you have more than. 18 or 19 products, probably a little more than that, building on top of it. And what that's all about is very simple. It's about continuous delivery across all this entire uh, tool chain. Mm -hmm. And it's all these tools are guaranteed to work together, which means we've, we've formed a platform with capabilities. Okay. So it's not about point products, it's about uh, delivering capabilities that span uh, subsystems, that span, uh, uh, you know, that span the tasks that you're trying mm. to do. It's right? an ecosystem. Of it's an ecosystem these, yeah. of okay. tools that all work great together and is a guaranteed to work together. And those release cycles are fine-tuned and, and in sync. Cool. So we've been doing this for <laughs> years, yeah. right? And, and we don't go about and make a big noise about it because this is just stuff we have to do. Yeah. We don't go out and say, hey, you know, we've done this for like four years and this is the greatest thing. Because this is something that's just innate and yeah. we just do this. Mm -hmm. And we do this because we want to guarantee that the experience is good for our customers. 
but I'm glad you asked. Well said. I'm glad I asked too because well I, I didn't know where it was going to go. That was that was great. <laughs> well said. You, you didn't know where that was going to go. Well, I just leave. But it I'm open. glad it went in a direction that makes. I, I have half the time I know the answer. Half the time I play dumb, but I won't ever tell you. No, you yeah. will never know. We'll if never I was know. good at poker, I'd be great at poker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and you're not even wearing, <laughs> you, you're not even wearing sunglasses. You know, I just no. can't make out where you're going with anything, man. It's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. that's amazing. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. That was uh, fantastic. Thanks for, thank you for having yeah. me. Thanks for flying Nobody's in. Nobody's ever asked me to do a podcast, and I'm, I'm. I mean, you're so busy I'm on really tour, touched. right? I'm, I'm really touched. Uh-huh. Well, we we would have we would have got you in sooner, but we know you're busy and saving the world. Yeah. So yeah, 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 I, yeah sure. Thanks. <laughs> yes, I am. He's DevOps <laughs> Superman, right? Oh, there it is. Yeah. You have any? You have okay. any? Uh, you have any uh, closing remarks? For our listeners. I am excited, right? I'm excited because we're doing meaningful work uh, for our customers. That's what excites me. Uh, and I really appreciate our customers partnering with us on this journey. That's cool. Well, well said. Well said. Thank Thanks you. so Thank much for being here. So much, Thank you for having me. Yeah.